This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. Food not only nourishes us, but I find it connects us. It's such a happy and fulfilling thing. Making a meal, gathering your friends and family around the table, sitting down and breaking bread together. It's just something so beautiful and so rewarding. When I see, you know, being able to go in the kitchen and do what I love and bring it to the table and watching my family, you know, or my friends, loving what I brought to the table, that is fulfillment for me. That's Irene Mattis. She's a recipe curator, food stylist, food photographer, and local farm-to-table advocate. I would describe Irene as the triple threat of the culinary world. She's the multi-talented curator of the Spicy Olive blog. This kind-hearted chef and inspiring boss babe is here with us today. Irene, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here with you today. I'm so happy we get to chat and talk all things food. Yes, me too. Me too. Was, was food something you were always passionate about? It was. Um, I come from a family of farmers. So my grandfather on my dad's side, he owned um, all the olive orchards in northern Cyprus. Mm-hmm. So growing up, you know, my parents were in farming. And, you know, being of a European Mediterranean background, um, food was what binded us. Food was a very important part in our lifestyle. Coming here from Cyprus as a refugee, uh, my parents, um, to build a foundation for us, worked a lot. Uh, My dad uh, eventually opened up his own restaurant. So as being the oldest, I had to maintain the household. And one of the main things that I had to do was prepare meals. That's when I started you know, loving the fact of being in the kitchen and cooking. So I've always been surrounded by food. Oh, gosh, what's the first recipe you can remember trying? The first recipe I made um, was actually a strawberry uh, shortcake, uh, believe it or not. Really? Uh, Yes, that was my first. um, I, I was never interested in baking. But for some reason, coming to Canada, one of the things that I've always wanted to do was make a strawberry shortcake. But other things like simple things like salads, uh, stews were some of the things that my mom taught me to do. So it was always my mom would pre prep a few things and then I would finish them off the next day. Tell me a bit about your experience with Plan B Farms. Being a refugee and coming to Canada about three and a half to four years ago, I decided to give back to Canada um, for, you know, giving us a home. Mm-hmm. So one of the things growing up being um, a refugee was hunger. Um, sometimes we didn't have food, a lot of food to eat. So one of the things that I thought about is why not help a local farm grow more food and support local farmers um, to bring more food to our family tables. So I started interviewing a few farms, local farms where I can access, and I interviewed uh, about five farms, I think, and Plan B, their story and who they were, just I fell in love with them, and I knew that that was going to be the farm that I was going to help. Their two brothers, Rodrigo and Alvaro, and their farmer wives, uh, Shana and Mel, they are from Chile, the brothers. They have a farm, which is about 50 acres, uh, but they grow on 30. It's a vegetable farm and they're an organic farm. And that's what I love about them. No pesticides from tomatoes to beets to potatoes, every herb, 
spicy peppers, celery, bok choy, anything, everything. They pretty much grow everything. And what I loved about them is that there's no fancy machinery or anything. They're very passionate about um, what they use on their farm to give you great local ingredients. The farm grows on volunteers and family love. And how long have you been with them? For a while? Yes, I'm actually celebrating my four years this year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, That's wonderful. I'm very excited. Very excited. I know there are a lot of food share systems out there. CSA share deliveries? Yes, yes. So we do, um, which is fantastic. So we deliver around the Hamilton, Ancaster, Burlington, up to Mississauga. But we also do deliveries in Toronto uh, for pickup at Dufferin Grove market. You can order online at Plan B Organic Farms. Mm -hmm. And basically Mondays are farmers harvest. And then we keep the food in a in a cold room or in a refrigerator. Um, we have a big warehouse. And what happens is you actually get your food the next day that's been harvested. So there's still dirt on them. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this CSA baskets, you can customize them. So you can only choose local. Mm -hmm. um, which you only will get what's local here uh, or you can choose local and imported where we collaborate with other parts of the country to bring you avocados bananas um, other things like lemons limes there's so many other things that you can um, we, we can bring in like mangoes we also have eggs, farm eggs, spelt wraps. We collaborate with local honey makers, coffee. Everything is local um, for the add-ons. The other thing that we do that's very special about our farm is we don't grow everything. So, and we want to make sure that our CSA families are able to receive a variety of things. So we collaborate with other local farmers and we buy what they grow as well. So there's always a collaboration. And with CSA baskets, right, your shares, um, you're going to get what's in season. So you're not going to get strawberries in November. Right. But what I love about the CSA baskets is it forces you to be creative in the kitchen. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. And one of the things that I do for the farm um, is... When I go in, I take, I look at what's available in our share baskets, what our families are going to receive that week. Mm -hmm. And I actually take that produce and I create recipes for the farm and I make them for lunch and I share them on my social media page as well as my website. Oh and yes, our, you do. They're phenomenal. Yes. They look so good. Thank you, Mer. Um, and you know, it's, and then plan B also shares them as well. So that way, when our CSA customers or families or other people, right, in the community or whoever follows me, it's in season recipes. So they're able to make them um, because they have access to the ingredients, whether they are having CSA baskets or they're going to the grocery store. They're not very difficult to make. And I also throw in a little bit of my culture. And you do do that. Every single dish has a little spin on it. I love it. And you put that little seal into every dish that you do. And you know what, it just, it makes it extra special. Um, and I'm, I'm always one to want to try different things as well. Like mm -hmm. I love cultures and I love experimenting with other cuisines um, and I enjoy them very much. So I try and bring that out in my dishes as well. So for someone who's listening to this and says, you know, I understand farm to table, I understand, you know, supporting local, but they probably sit back and say, well, I can just go to the grocery store and pick it up. What can you tell them to change their mind and to explain to them why it's so important to support local. The one thing that um, for me was the reduced the reduced plastic. 
when you actually get the share basket, you're getting, um, it's an actual bin and the food is placed in there and it has some dirt on it. So you know it's just been harvested. Also, it hasn't been sitting on a truck for days or coming um, imported. And you're also saving the middleman where your, your cost is a little bit cheaper because you're not getting the packaging, you're not getting the middleman, it's not being imported. The other thing is that we're supporting our local and Canada. If someone's interested in getting involved in helping out a local farmer or working with farms, what, where, where would they begin? One of the things um, that I'm encouraging um, and promoting is if you're in the area and you're close by, give me a shout and would love to have you host you on the farm. Um, which will give you a great, you know, an idea of what a, you know, what farm life is and what I mm-hmm. do to support local farmers. And it's an actual great day. Like, you know, I introduce you to the farm. We do some harvesting or planting or whatever needs to get done. Um, we'll plan a meal together and we'll make a meal and sit and enjoy it with the farmers. And it's a great way to get to know your local farmer and what they do. If you're not close by and you're, you know, you can't make it to the farm, what I would do is, um, what I did is I Googled local farms in the area and give them a call. Farmers would love to hear from you and for you to visit them. You know, that's, that's huge. You know, it's, it's definitely something I encourage. Get to know your local farmer. Go visit your farmer's market and talk to the farmers that are there. Um, and through conversation, you'll definitely get an idea which farmers, you know, need the help mm-hmm. or the farmers you connect with. Are you into playing a couple of games with me? Sure, let's do this. Okay. So we're going to do a game called This or That. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. Life of the party or do you mingle and blend in? Uh, I would say life of the party. Yes, Irene. Uh, <laughs> bath or shower? Shower. Morning or evening person? Morning. Comedy or horror? Comedy. Yeah, me too. I can't, I'll never sleep after the horror I'm movie. a scaredy cat in general, so... <laughs> so I'm, scared, I'm afraid of my own shadow. Yeah, I'm a scaredy cat in general, so no. <laughs> horror movies would not be my thing. I like to laugh. I love laughter, so comedy would definitely be me. Okay, what's worse? Laundry or dishes? What's worse? Uh, laundry. This one's really important. Do you put water on your toothbrush before the toothpaste or after? Before. I always like to rinse my toothbrush because you never know who's touched it. <laughs> oh, this is scary how much we're alike. Okay. <laughs> Dust particles or kids or someone. Something. Playing with my something. toothbrush. Just rinse give it a little rinse. people. Yeah. <laughs> Reese's Pieces or M&M's? Reese's Pieces. Chicken breast or chicken thigh? Thigh. Crockpot or Instapot? Um, actually, I've, I've never used an Instapot. I think I've used it once on the farm. Yes, I did. And I, I've shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the old traditional way. I would say neither. Yeah. I started using the crock pot when I started getting a lot of requests for slow cooker recipes, mm-hmm. but I do prefer over the, on the stove. And yes, in the oven. me too. Oven or stove. Yeah. yeah. Food photography, food styling. How did yes. you get started in all that? You know what? I, I'm a true believer that people eat with their eyes. So in order for, for me to get people to actually want to try my meals or taste my meals um, or make my meals, I had to find a way to, you know, entice them. It's always been a passion of making food look pretty, beautiful, 
and I'm self-taught by the way, when I started on Instagram, just being inspired by some wonderful um, food stylists and food photographers and bloggers, uh, I started creating my own style, um, the farm to table style. Uh, for the longest time, I used my iPhone, which let me tell you, they have some pretty good cameras now on them. Yes. Well, all my photography right now is on the iPhone. I just purchased my first camera. It's amazing. It's amazing what these iPhones can do and these smartphones. Like it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I can't believe it. I had taken a, just a food photography course. We actually hosted it on a farm, but the rest was just, you know, YouTube. You know, I went on YouTube to learn my camera, the settings, playing around with it. But one of the the most things that I encourage people to do is use natural lighting. It just, it brings out the true color of the food, right? It's real. It's authentic. There's a lot of planning that goes into my photography. So one of the things that I do encourage people to do is plan ahead, plan what your shot's going to look like, get your stuff out to your props. You know, what is your meal going to look like? When are you going to make the meal? You know, what time is your best lighting? So there is a lot of planning that needs to be done ahead of time to get a shot. What helps you decide what props you're going to use? Well, I think about the meal I'm going to make. How am I going to serve it? Right? Um, So for example, uh, during squash season, I love to make squash mac and cheese. Mm. You know, I think about mac and cheese, right? Like it's got a yellow, creamy texture to it. Um, And I think about, okay, the cast iron or something darker pots to put it in or serve it in the actual squash itself. And one of the other things that I, I find too is like white plating is definitely not something that you should be using um, to feature your food because your eye goes on the white plate as versus what's the meal. So try using like warm tones, whether they're like grays, light beiges, like cast iron looks really good just to make the food pop. So always remember, you know, the, the color of the food really plays a key role, right? You don't want to serve like a pesto pasta on a green plate. Is there a memorable shoot that you've done uh, or a unique dish that was like difficult to style? For me, the hardest thing for me to style is um, if I'm styling a milkshake, like tall things. Mm -hmm. I find I can't get that shot very well because of the angling. Flat lace for me are my favorite um, and also low um, side shots uh, where I can actually get you know, the photo, but shooting like drinks and tall things, for me, I struggle with that. I'm Mary Mamalini, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Irene Mattis, a rock star in the kitchen and inspiring boss babe. Earlier, we touched a little on what sparked your passion for cooking. But tell me, what led to your training as a chef? So my background is actually finance. (laughs) I love that so So much. So we went from counting beans to cooking them. That's right. That's right, Mary. And you know what? It was the best decision I've ever made. My husband's in the financial industry as well. After I had my third child, my third girl, um, we decided it was just too much for us to, you know, to maintain the household and the kids and life in general, right? With two, um, two parents in the financial industry. So I decided to take a break uh, and be a stay-at-home mom, which, which I loved. And then once the kids went back to school, it was like, uh-oh. I need something. And I just didn't, you know, I tried going back. 
uh, wasn't happy and wanted to, to make a change. So that's when I decided that culinary school was what I wanted to do, was get into food. I couldn't really travel to Toronto because I'm outside the GTA area there. Mm-hmm. So I researched and I found Liaison College, which is not too far from where I am. And I took a night school. But uh, didn't want to get into the restaurant business. It's too much work coming from a family through the restaurant. Like I remember days, my dad, seven days a week, um, lots of hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, missed out on a lot of family time. So it wasn't something, you know, that was in the cards for me. But I took my passion in a different way. It was kind of that been there, done that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I took, I always believe, believe it or not, like I always have a passion to open up my own restaurant. But almost reaching 50, I think it's time to kind of slow down. So (laughs) restaurants not in the cards. But I found other ways to, you know, to feed my passion. Um, And that's sharing the whole farm to table and uh, the recipes through social media on my website. I love hearing that. Because for me, it was the same thing, the same experience where I could no longer do what I was doing. Well, me, it was kind of decided for me. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before, but... It was one of those things where it's you don't you don't sit there and intentionally try and reinvent yourself. It's one of those things where you just kind of think, hmm, I enjoy doing this. Do you think there's a possibility that I can pursue something in this? Yes. And it doesn't matter when in your life you decide this, how old you are, what situation you are. If that time strikes you, my advice is and just go for it. Exactly. Follow your passion. If you can do it, um, follow your passion. It's incredible as to the gift that the kitchen can actually give a person. Yes. And I think exploring that, more people will find that. But you know what, Mary? Also, too, I'm a, like, food not only nourishes us, but I find it connects us. Oh, it's so true. Right? So yeah. it's such a happy and fulfilling thing. Making a meal, gathering your friends and family around the table, sitting down and breaking bread together. It's just something so beautiful and so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And that is fulfillment for me. When I see, you know, being able to go in the kitchen and do what I love and bring it to the table and watching my family, you know, or my friends loving what I brought to the table. It's just, it's such a fulfillment. It really is. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. One thing I found really interesting is the name of your, your blog, The Spicy Olive. The Spicy Olive. Um, Love it. um, I, you know, coming from my family roots and my grandfather, I love olives. Like we grew up with olives all the time. Um, They were always on our table, whether it be for breakfast, for lunch or dinner. And I absolutely love them. And um, the reason why it's the spicy olive is I love spicy food. When I say spicy, I mean, I love to sweat when I eat. Really? I love spice, but it... I love some it. of it. Some of it kills me. No, I love it. And actually, um, the the name of my blog uh, and my brand was uh, there is a Cypriot olive recipe uh, called cracked olives and yes, takistes, which they have garlic and lemon juice and cracked um, coriander in them. And there are traditional Cypriot olive recipe. Um, and what I did is because I love them spicy, I threw chili peppers, dry chili peppers in there. So mm. that's how it became the spicy, olive. spicy olive and the cracked olives. Is that now there's something that the Italians do as well, where they actually smash the olive. Yes. That's my, so it's uh, the same type of thing. Yes, it is. Um, they're, they're technically the, the traditional ones are the green ones. Um, yes. and what they do is they, they actually smash them 
to break them up. And the reason being is, um, so all the flavors of the marinade, of the lemon, the olive oil, the garlic, the coriander, and we toast the coriander to bring the, the flavor uh, mm, out. That uh, sounds good. So when you toss them and you let them sit, the juices of that get inside the olive and soften the olive, which makes them extra tasty. Do you have a signature recipe that you'd like to share or that you can share with us? Something that you make either regularly or something that um, you feel is represents you, your home. Oh my goodness, I have so much. One of the things that I really love the most that I, um, that I make is um, they're called yigandes. So they are... They're Wait, let me try and say this. How do you say it? Gigandes. 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 Which means giant beans. Okay. So um, that's a very traditional dish for us. So it's, they're Greek. They're like a butter bean. And I don't know if everybody's heard of butter beans. Uh, they're not a, they're a white bean, but they're actually called butter beans. And they are like a large white bean. And they literally taste like butter. I make them in the winter, I make them in the summer, and what they are is that they're they're baked in a tomato sauce with onions and garlic um, and braised. And I love making them in the summer, especially when it's tomato season. These sound so good. You know, you can get very creative. You can add spinach in them, you can add the kale, depending on the season, and they're delicious served with crusty bread. Mm. Oh um, yes, dunk. Yes. <laughs> and. Uh, a sprinkle of um, a feta cheese on top. Oh God, that sounds so good. I got to try this. They are on my website. Um, I have uh, a recipe for them. It's okay. called Gigantes, G-I-G-A-N-T-S. And um, my version on there has them baked with kale. There's one more, Mary, that I want to share with you. Yeah, yeah, please uh, do. In in Cyprus, we have um, a dish called gupepia which the Greeks also have them and they're called domadas. So they're, they're stuffed grape leaves. Oh, so what they are is it's the traditional ones are the Greek ones they use with rice and uh, beef. Um, and sometimes in Greece, they use just rice. Um, for us in Cyprus, it's, uh, it's rice and beef. And, you know, there's parsley, there's dried mint in the mixture, there's lemon, uh, there's tomatoes, and they're stuffed and like they're rolled in grape leaves um, and drizzled with a little bit more tomato and um, a stalk. And mm -hmm. they're baked in the oven and very lemony. Mm. So I have made a, I have made a version like a spicy olive twist on them where I've substituted the beef for lentils. These are absolutely addicting, and they're also on my website as well. So they're definitely um, ones to try. But where would someone find the grape leaves? So if you don't grow your, you don't have your own grapevine, which no. growing up we did. Yes, um, and you know what? My, now in the summer, like on the farm, we have them. So I'll pick them in peak time, so June. But grocery stores sell them jarred. Oh yes, yes. Or do what I do: look around, ask your European neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll have them. They will share. Yeah. They will share. For us, I will pick them in June um, when they're at their peak and we'll wash them. Um, you put them in a pot of water with lemon and you boil them just, just as, uh, enough as they turn a pale green. and they So a little more than blanching. Yes, a little bit more than blanching. Okay. And then you rinse them with cold water. And I usually make about 70 at a time. So what I'll do is I'll roll them 
um, and put them in free, small freezer bags um, and then put them in the freezer and then I'll have them there um, through, the, through the, the winter months. So I'll pull a bag out and it makes one family serving. Describe to someone what they would taste like, what a leaf would taste like, a grape leaf. Uh, it's Is it just, a bitter? It's, no, it's not bitter at all. Because when you cook them down in lemon juice, they have a lemony taste to them. So they actually acquire the lemon taste to them. So they taste lemony. Oh, so they pick up the flavor of whatever you're cooking it with. Yes. Um, it doesn't, yeah, you, they don't taste bitter. They're very soft in texture. Um, and they go really well with uh, the filling. Gosh, that sounds so good. They're absolutely delicious. Okay, then along this slide of food, what recipe has never failed you? Has never failed me? Never failed you. Never failed me. I would say my Greek lemon potatoes. They have um, a stock, like a, a, a vegetable stock. They have lots of lemon. Um, and I usually use Yukon gold potatoes salt, pepper, and oregano, and sometimes a little bit of paprika on top. And they are baked in the oven and they drink up all the juice and they become so crispy on the outside and soft in the middle with a lemony taste. Oh, I'm heading over to your website right after this. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Planning so good. out next week's meals. <laughs> it sounds so good. Now we're gonna move on to name that dish. I'm gonna say a word. And then you name a dish with this word in it. Crispy. Chicken. Ginger. Noodles. Bourbon. French onion soup. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. Eggplant. Parmesan. <laughs> That's for, you were good at this one. I know what I like. <laughs> this is the time where I ask all my guests to share their kitchen confession. Oh, do you boy, have one for us? I sure do. I'm a stress baker. I, hope we, I, see, I already <laughs> like where this is going. <laughs> oh my God. I'm a stress baker. Do not come in the kitchen when I'm baking. <laughs> my family knows when I'm baking that they need to stay away. For me, Mare, you know, you know, when you see the picture, when I post a recipe on baking, you know, people find it hard to believe that, all right, this girl does not like baking or can't do baking. Mm -hmm. The amount of stress that goes into that shot and into making that <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm huffing, I'm puffing, I'm stressing, I'm, you know, I'm pouring a glass of wine. I have to do it two or three times. <laughs> oh my gosh. I prefer to eat sweets as versus making them. I find that baking for me is a science where when I make savory dishes, it's all like if you put a little too much salt or a little of this, like it doesn't hurt it, right? And you can yeah. get some very creative stuff when you make mistakes with savory cooking. Exactly. With baking, don't put an extra quarter teaspoon of baking soda because it's going to explode. Yeah. You know and it's I mean? done. It's done. You can't, you can't come back from that. Yeah. You know what I, <laughs> I have a confession here that you're going to... So the other day, the kids wanted pancakes. I didn't have all-purpose flour. <laughs> so I used cake and pastry flour. <laughs> you can imagine the pancakes that were made. <laughs> what did you end up with? Uh, it was a cross between a rubbery pancake and a crepe. 
good. <laughs> we rolled it up and put blueberries and lots of maple syrup. <laughs> and it was perfect. <laughs> so that's my confession. I'm not a baker. My mom is a fabulous baker. Fabulous. Like um, she could bake bread. She could do all these different pastries and sweets. Where with me, I I am not a, uh, a sweet. Uh, well, that's the thing. Baker. You're either one or the other when you when you're when yes. you cook. Yeah. You're either into savory or sweet. I love eating the sweets, but I can give or take to make them. Yeah. Too much but patience. See, too much. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 So, and I just, I feel like I can get really creative with the savory side. For sure. And you know what? Anything like, for example, you burn something. Oh, it's charred, rustic cauliflower, right? Yep. Where when you burn a cupcake, it's like, no, it's a burnt cupcake. There's no effects or buts about it. <laughs> you can't even crumble that onto ice cream. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's anybody out there who's willing to help me, teach me something, teach me their ways, please. Let's collaborate. Um, oh, I'm- I need to introduce you then to my I- niece. Yeah. So come on over. I'm willing to host you here um, and teach me some baking. Oh, yes. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to introduce you to my niece. She started her own. She's been baking, honestly, since she was, I, I can, uh, she can start walking. Like it was, it's just ridiculous. She was like this only eight-year-old in Anna Olson's line to get her cookbook signed. Um, and she bakes phenomenally. She's got her own business now. So I will connect you two. Oh, I would be, has she, has she gotten Anna Olson to sign her cookbook? She did at eight years old. And then she, every time she gets a chance to meet Anna Olson, now she'll still go out. So I actually style for Anna Olson on the Marilyn Dennis show. Which, Are you kidding um, me? She's amazing. Anna is amazing. And, you know, I, one of my bake fails was the first time I food styled for Anna Olson at the Marilyn No. I had no. to make her lemon meringue pie. This is a person who does not bake. No. <laughs> and are you ready for this? Because I don't have a stand-up mixer, I used a handhold electric mixer. To make oh, I meringue. love this. To make meringue. Can you imagine that? To make meringue? Yes. Oh, you're my I idol. a flat meringue. You are my idol right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I brought it, I brought my little hand blender in, like, and I was making this thing and Anna walks in, she says, oh no, she says, you can't use that. <laughs> and bless her soul, she is the most beautiful, talented woman I have ever met. She coached me through it and I made the That is so sweet. Plan. So I, what has helped a little bit with my confidence is actually supporting Anna on the Marilyn Dennis show. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's phenomenal. You know, they throw the recipes at me and I have to make them. So my, my latest one was her donuts, by the way, which were fantastic. So is that what you have to do for the food styling for the Marilyn Dennis show? Uh, CTV as well, right? Yes. So I also do uh, your morning and sometimes the social as well. So I'm a food stylist behind the scenes. Um, So what happens is when the chefs come on board, they send us their recipes and we actually do all the prepping for them. Um, Because, you know, a seven minute segment, there's no way the chefs have time to Mm -hmm. put everything together. So we actually support them behind the scenes. Um, So we make a lot of the stuff that their recipes to help them on on the show which is a huge help oh 
Absolutely. And not only a huge help, but the amount of things that you learn. And also it's helped me get out of my comfort zone. Like a lot of the recipes that I make for chefs, I would never make at home because I'm intimidated by them or don't think, especially the baking side. So being exposed to so many different style of cooking and chefs has really inspired me and has given me a lot of practice and has really helped me in that for sure. If our listeners want to reach out to you, get more information, um, come join you in the farm. How can they find you? Where can they find Uh, you? You can email me at imattis at Mm icloud.com or you can send me a note through social media. Um, So I'm my social media handle on Instagram is at the spicy olive one Facebook. uh, You can message me at Irene Mattis, but please, I encourage, um, I would love to hear from you and would love to have you spend the day with me on the farm. We've already talked. Yeah, you know I'm coming to this. It's going to be memorable, but let me warn you, you're going to work. Now, I'm still debating whether should or shouldn't I bring Frank, but we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. As long as Frank's coming to make pasta, we're all good. That's it. And that's what I'm going to tell him. He's got to make pasta. 